Welcome to Improv for the Podcast. On this week's episode, we'll be talking about how improvisation can be used in different types of media. Let's hit it. Welcome to Improv for the Podcast. I'm your host, Michael E. Evans, and on today's episode, we're going to be talking about how improv has been used in different types of media, specifically films and television uh, in the shooting process, right? What kind of factor or impact does improv have on set? And uh, I'll talk about this a little bit from personal experience, as well as give some, I think, great examples that exist. Now, these are not uh, the list of all shows of all time that have used improv as a tool on set uh, while shooting. But these are some examples that I really enjoy. I bet each of us have examples as well that we can think of. Um, but before we get into the episode, I want to clarify some things as always, right? Give some definitions. So uh, when I say improv in movies or television, I'm not talking about like, you know, they're shooting a scripted scene and an actor just uh, has one great line that they think of off the cuff or like that example people always hear about in Django Unchained where, right, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, uh, he, he's having a monologue, he smashes a cup, his hands start bleeding, and he improvises something about that. That's that's not what I'm talking about because generally that's a scripted scene, that's a tar- Tarantino film. It's very, you know, there's a formula to all that. But what I'm talking about is, you know, you're working on set with the other actors, the camera's rolling, you maybe have some loose ideas of how this scene should go. And then you just take off from there. And it's absolutely electric, let me tell you. So that's the kind of improvisation I'm talking about. The other example, right, of maybe a reaction or something organic responding to something in the moment, I would consider that more of an ad lib, which is different than improvisation, right? So there you go. Those are our definitions. Uh, We're talking about improvisation, you know, Starting with maybe you have a character, some loose idea of the scene, but that's it. No script in your hand. You probably don't have lines memorized. All right. So with that said, in my opinion, some of the funniest films and TV shows have come from this style of shooting. It's obviously not right for every project, right? There are some movies where the script is just so, so good that you want to lock that in. A movie like The Social Network, for example, a fascinating film about the life of Mark Zuckerberg, um, that's an Aaron Sorkin film. We all know Aaron Sorkin is very particular about his dialogue, right? He loves he loves to have detailed human conversational writing, you know, almost play-like in his films. Obviously, they're not doing as much improvisation. If you go to see a Shakespeare show, you watch a movie about a Shakespeare play, right? Romeo and Juliet, Hamlet, Macbeth. There's not a lot of improvising happening in those because the script is tight. We stick to the script. We respect the script. But sometimes a filmmaker takes the opposite approach. They say, hey, I may have written a script. We have a loose story for all this, but I'm bringing on this type of talent, this type of actor, because I want to see what they can do on camera, get them in a room, just go crazy, go crazy crazy with it. So um, with that said, these types of projects are often shot different. I mean, if we think of maybe like a sitcom or just even a movie, right? We think about there's a camera, we have some actors, they memorize whatever scenes they're going to be shooting that day. Like, okay, great. Uh, We're shooting the scene where the two main characters go on a date at a coffee shop, right? We'll get some, we'll capture some different camera angles, 
all that good stuff. Everyone knows what to expect. The director knows what's going to happen, generally, right? They've blocked out the scene. They know where everyone's going to move. But on a set where things are going to be improvised, that's the plan is, hey, we're going to show up on set today. We have some loose ideas of what we're going to do, but we're going to mainly be improvising. Entirely different process. So typically on this type of set, there are actually multiple cameras in use because you never know where the action's going to be, who might be moving around in the space. Uh, you want to capture all the movement, capture different angle, angles, because the more you capture in this environment, um, you're going to be able to play within the editing room later. So just as the actors are playing on set, right, the more you create on set while you're improvising a scene, the editors have more to work with later as well. So you probably got multiple cameras rolling um, to be able to capture all the action, the physical movement, the dialogue, all that good stuff. Um, additionally, unlike in an improv show, right, where we come in with literally nothing prepared, you just show up. You've happened to have done improv before, but otherwise you're all kind of clueless, right? That's, that's how it is. You show up, you do improv <laughs> with nothing prepared. But let's say in a TV show, for example, or a movie, um, you generally have an idea of who your character is going to be. Maybe your character already has a backstory, which can help inform your choices in an improv scene because you're already coming into it. This is my name. This is who I am. This is where I come from. And that can really help uh, while doing improv, right? It informs so many of your choices, which is a really fun thing to play in, right? Having an established character right off the bat, oh, that makes it so much easier. Uh, the other thing you might have is that depending on the type of project, right? If it's a movie, for example, hey, uh, this is generally the scene that we're trying to shoot. These are some of the beats that we want to hit. Like you're going to tell this other character uh, a secret that you have, but it may not necessarily be specific. Or you might know where the scene needs to end. Like, hey, by the end of this scene, uh, you need to have confessed your love to the other character. But you don't know how you're going to get there. And the director just wants to see you play in that and find that. Right? They'll keep the cameras rolling for long periods of time, get everyone warmed up, get them into the feeling uh, to see what kind of comedy they can create. Really amazing stuff. So ultimately for me, I mean, this is... Uh, it, it's one of the most exciting ways to write, create, and perform, capture a film. And I wanted to share a few examples that I've seen that I'm a big fan of in no particular order and just maybe talk about them a little bit. I, I'm a big nerd about these shows and movies. I'll often listen to podcasts or read interviews about the behind-the-scenes process because I think taking improvisation and putting it into this format of a film set or a television set is, is just so much fun and uh, something I've been fortunate enough to get to do in my work as well a little bit, not at the same level as these projects, but uh, it can be a ton of fun. So let's talk about some examples. So these are some of Michael's, right? Michael Lee Evans' favorite media examples that incorporate improv into the, uh, I guess, shooting process. Um, so we'll start. I have a list of 10. I know. Insane. I feel like I was writing a BuzzFeed article when I put this together, uh, ready to post on Facebook. But uh, again, this is in no particular order because this is kind of off the dome. And a lot of these projects you've probably heard of, maybe some you haven't. Either way, I know there are a lot more out there. One big omission already. Actually, two big omissions I know. Uh, Spinal Tap and Reno 911. All-time classics. Uh, I have not seen either of them, and I think about it a lot. So I'm sorry to all the Reno 911 fans and Spinal Tap fans out there who are listening and like, wait, my favorite movie slash TV show is not getting represented here and it's all improv. This is garbage. 
if you have that opinion, that's fine. I understand. Um, so to start, it's the 2001 cinematic classic, Wet Hot American Summer. Uh, I would describe this as a cult classic. Uh, Netflix made kind of like a reunion TV show slash movie a number of years ago that kind of followed up with all of this, which was a lot of fun. But essentially, the premise of the show is this. It's like a bunch of camp counselors at a summer camp, the hijinks they get up to almost to an absurdist level. And it's pretty amazing because the cast in this show is just out of control, especially back in 2001. It's it's Amy Poehler, Paul Rudd, Bradley Cooper, Elizabeth Banks, Janine Garofalo, and like a ton of other folks. And they just spent a lot of time on set, on this like campsite set. Uh, they had time to play around. They had time to improvise. I mean, what a rich environment they were in. Like a summer camp scenario, you're a camp counselor. You know, messing with kids, trying to be responsible, trying to have a great summer. There's so much that you could play with in that. Um, just the opportunity to improvise in a camp setting is incredible. So much fun that you can have there. And um, this is definitely one that's not for everyone because it is incredibly absurd. But is seeing the, the charming ensemble nature of the cast and just... Oh my goodness, it's it's out of control. And you can really see just some of the, the places these scenes go. Sometimes I think they might take a bit too far or go on a little too long, but it's really enjoyable to know that the work that these actors were doing, you know, behind the lens of just uh, coming up with all of this and creating these strange characters with such specific traits and natures. Yeah, so that's Wet Hot American Summer. Check it out if you're bored. It's on Netflix, which they don't share passwords anymore. So we do not like Netflix as much as we used to. Anyway, moving on. Uh, number nine, I guess. It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Now, this show, uh, I mean, it's been on since 2005. It's still airing. I think there's 16 seasons more on the way. I think these guys have no plans to stop, which is just, just absolutely crazy. And this show is another one that's not for everyone. Uh, I heard it once described as Seinfeld on crack, which is 100% true because it's just a group of friends who are the worst people you know, and it's demonstrating all the hijinks that they get up to. In this show, the chemistry these actors have, especially 16 seasons in, really just pops off on screen. I'm just seeing some of the scenes that they have where, for example, they're in a bank and they are trying to convince the bank to give them a business loan. Uh, And so all three of the guys attempt to seduce the uh, loan officer uh, just by they're they're popping their shirts off. They're just doing anything they can to try and get this loan for their business. And it is not working. And it's absolutely hilarious. But they there are so many memorable, memorable moments from over the 16 seasons where they just, you know, were working on set, playing, found a direction, and went with it. And not to plug another podcast, but uh, there is a podcast for this show, uh, for Always Sunny in Philadelphia, that I highly recommend. It gives such good insight into the behind the scenes of this show, everything they have going on. Uh, and just, there are not a lot of projects where you get to do it for so long with the same cast, with the same actors, with the same characters over, over a time period of, oh my gosh, 18 years, 16 seasons total. I think that's right. Yeah. Which is, again, that's absolutely insane. I can't imagine getting to stick with the same character for that long. You would know the insides and outs. You would not need a script to, to play that role. You'd be able to just 
get on set, you're in the environment, you know who you are, you know the choices your character would make, so would your fellow actors, and you just go, you just play, the cameras roll, you just take it from there. All right, so that's number nine. Moving on to number eight. Now, this one is, like, technically doesn't count, but uh, it's a movie called Don't Think Twice. It came out in 2016, and it's directed by a stand-up comedian, Mike Birbiglia. And the reason I put this movie on here, uh, this one is not as well known, but maybe in the improv scene, is it's essentially a movie about a group of improvisers in New York um, and kind of the story of their troupe and the different things that affect the characters and kind of how it all centers back around improv and the name even too. Uh, don't think twice, right? When you're going on stage, don't think twice. Think of it and do it. Don't leave time for judgment or second thoughts or regret. You're just going, 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 going forward, right? You're gray spacing. And this movie is really interesting because you do see some of their improv performances and the things that happen outside of it. So I just really recommend it for anyone who loves improv, which if you're listening to this episode of the podcast, you love improv. So I recommend this movie. It's got a lot of heart. It's sad. It's beautiful, I think. And I really enjoy it. All right. So this one I had to put on the list. It's a show I love, but it's so, like, overblown. But of course, well, actually, the next two I feel that way about. I love them both, but they're just like, oh, these shows. So, of course, The Office, um, the U.S. version, right? It was on air from 2005 to 2013. And... While we know the show had a script, uh, it allowed for a lot of improvisation because of the talented cast. I mean, Steve Carell, uh, your leading man. Michael Scott, the best worst boss that you've ever seen. A walking HR violation. Um, oh my goodness, this show. So Steve Carell, if you don't know, uh, got his early roots performing at the Second City in Chicago. That's where he came from. Steve Carell's career began in improvisation, and that's where he was plucked from, which eventually led to an incredibly successful film and television career. He's a great, great, great comedic actor. Um, And he's done some good dramatic stuff as well. But he's mostly well-known for The Office. And Steve Carell and the other actors on this show, just, again, a great example of an incredible ensemble cast. Um working in this environment that is so common to folks, right? An office. So relatable to normal American life for so many people. Uh, But in this show, the actors had so much room to play. And this is a great example of a multi-camera setup, right? This is a multi-cam sitcom, situational comedy, right? These actors are placed in an office. They have general story beats of what's happening, what Michael needs to get done, and they just let them rip. They just let them rip, playing in this rich environment full of props and interesting things, interesting characters. This is is such a rich character comedy. Um, This is definitely a world that if I were able able to pick a set to improvise on, this, this would be one of them. I mean, we see in the show Steve Carell's character takes improv classes, but it's crazy to think that so many of what was what we were seeing recorded on screen was improvised as well. So many of the scenes, so many of its iconic moments. I think comedy is at its best when it allows room for expression and creation outside of the standard script. When you let the actors just have time to find and develop and establish the specifics of their characters through improvisation on a set, I think it's absolutely amazing. All right, moving on to the next example, which goes hand-in-hand to the office because uh, there's a lot of the creative team behind both 
um, you know, very similar. So, of course, Parks and Recreation, similar to The Office. You know, it's like the same premise of uh, this is a relatable environment, local city government, set in an office, different cast of characters, but again, so much room for improvisation and fun with a lot of the cast coming with a comedy background. Aubrey Plaza, Amy Poehler, Nick Offerman, uh, just those leading few, Aziz Ansari, right? He's from UCB. Uh, so many of these folks coming with an improvisational background uh, that really allows itself to shine on camera. Even throwing in actors who don't have an improvisational background, but being surrounded by folks who do, it makes it easier. Chris Pratt, for example, was one of the, I guess, most beloved characters on the show, his character of Andy Dwyer, and he you know, did not come from a comedy background in the same way that a lot of these other actors did. I mean, Amy Poehler was on SNL. You know, she founded UCB, one of the founders. And, um, you know, it allowed all actors on set, not just the ones who were trained improvisers, to really thrive and flourish and make a name for themselves. These two shows, The Office and Parks and Recreation, focus on this mockumentary style of filmmaking, right? Where we see action happening, and then sometimes we cut to a one-on-one interview uh, with a character and that style it just lends itself so well to improvisational comedy just you having a moment to sit down talk in front of the camera as your character and comment on your co-workers you know whatever that is it allows for so much space for comedy and just gray spacing and whatever comes out is typically gold all right moving on down to number five uh, this is a movie that I absolutely love and so many people do uh, as someone who grew up in San Diego, this this movie is very important to all San Diegans. Anchorman, The Legend of Rome, Burgundy. And we're talking about the first one. I'm not going to comment on the second one because I don't want to talk about it. It's fine. It exists. Uh, so Anchorman. I mean, this movie, the cast, led by Will Ferrell, a Groundlings SNL legend. We got Paul Rudd in there, who has a great comedy background. Again, Steve Carell, early in his career, improv background. And, oh my gosh, I can't remember the other guy's name, but he's also in The Office. And, uh, yeah, he's fantastic as well. But Anchorman is just these four guys with a bunch of other actors. Fred Willard's in there. He's an improv actor who we'll talk about a little bit later, um, who just really shine on screen. Uh, This movie there's no way this movie really had a script. I think they had an idea for a 1970s newsman and how the news world changed when women were allowed to be news anchors as well in the 1970s. And that's pretty much it. And then they just were like, okay, let's make the movie. And they just had all these actors come in and improvise this like there's there's no way it could have been written i mean you get these you get these four powerhouses on set along with everyone else who's in the cast and you just let them go that's why you get scenes with the crazy colognes that cause people to vomit and ruin the entire office and have paul rudd get taken outside and hosed down so many great moments you have jack black and will ferrell fighting on a bridge ending with will ferrell's dog being punted into the Pacific Ocean, right? All these great comedic moments that we know were just by the magic of improvisation, right? Actors coming in, being loosely informed, and just playing, just playing with one another and playing with those characters. Highly recommend it. It's it's an all-time great film. Probably my favorite Will Ferrell film. 
check it out if you haven't, but you've probably seen it. All right, so now we're getting down uh, to the final four, as we call it. And there's some, oh man, some of the things in here. Uh, number four, and this, if I were to number a list, this might be number two, something like that, but Jury Duty. Uh, this is a newer one, came out this year in 2023. Uh, to summarize it, because this is one that people maybe don't know as well, uh, this is like a quick synopsis. The series chronicles the inner workings of a jury trial in the U.S. through the eyes of juror Ronald Gladden, a solar contractor from San Diego, who is unaware that his jury duty summons were not official and that everyone in the courtroom aside from him is an actor. Everything that happens inside and outside the courtroom is planned. Oh boy, so this show is absolute madness. It's like reality TV, but it's not because everyone's an actor except for one guy. And all the actors have the responsibility of establishing this base reality, accepting it, and improvising along with this real guy who you never know what he's going to do, how he's going to respond, how he's going to react to all the situations that come up during jury duty. It's an incredible show. I don't know that there can ever be a season two because of the uniqueness of the premise, and because this did get some buzz, uh, some Emmy buzz, and got pretty popular on social media, but it's it's an amazing show, and one that would be so much fun to be on, essentially being told, hey, uh, you're going to be playing this character, we're going to be shooting you at jury duty for several days, it's your job to be both grounded and not, like you've got some quirks about you, and we're pushing this real guy to the limits to see if he can continue to buy into all of this that he thinks is real. As an improviser being tasked with putting on this guise, this this fake world, to fool someone, a real person, ugh, so much fun, so much fun. I think one of the best versions of reality television. It's just absolutely, absolutely incredible. So, Jury Duty, check it out. Uh, it's on Amazon Prime, or Freebie, which I think is owned by Amazon. You can watch it free with ads. Nobody likes ads, though, so if you have Prime or... Find another way to watch it. I highly recommend it. If you're an improviser, the show will blow your mind because it's amazing. It's like you're improvising with a real person, which is kind of what we do every day anyway, right? But to a different level. All right, let's get to the top three. The top three. Oh, man. Um, this is a classic, a show that is still running, I believe. I need to make sure that's correct. I think it's still running. Uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm. Yes, by the great Larry David, one of the creators of Seinfeld as well. But uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm is just a spinoff of Larry David's life, almost. Kind of the world from an exagger exaggerated version of his personality, his perspective uh, about just life in Los Angeles, the things that Larry David gets up to. Uh, whether it's hiring a sex worker to drive with him in the car so he can drive in the carpool lane it's uh getting caught up in all these scams and schemes with with all the characters he meets along the way i don't know why that's the only example i could think of that's just uh i was reading something about that episode it's a wild show just an absolutely wild show that is strongly strongly improvised and uh absolutely hilarious you can find it on uh max uh formerly hbo rest in peace uh but this show they essentially sit down, they write out a loose structure for the episode. They're like, hey, this is kind of where we want to end up, see how things tie together. 
they might have loose ideas of what they want to happen in a scene, but then they just take it off and running. And it's so much fun. You can see it, just some of the things these characters say, the choices they make, it's, it is out of control. And this is the show that I would say ties everything in a bow by the end of the episode better than any other show you will ever watch. It's truly incredible. And it often makes me think of the Herald long form improv format, if you've ever seen that. It's reminiscent of that, where you have these different scenes, and these little hints and elements dropped in, and then you have lots of callbacks, and then you slowly see these scenes tied together and wrapped up in a nice little bow by the end. This show captures that idea of a herald, I think, so, so well, better than any other TV show. And it's really a work of art. And you're shocked every time at the end of the episode. You just shake your head. You're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that thing from the first five minutes came back in the end of the episode and made a difference. It is out of control out of control. And I just, it's a masterclass in how good improv on camera can be and the kind of television that it can create. All right. So the last two that I have on this list, I'm almost going to combine because these are just two examples, but uh, from the mockumentary filmmaker, director, genius, Christopher Guest. Uh, If you haven't heard of Christopher Guest, he's done a ton of projects. The two I love most are Waiting for Guffman and Best in Show. He's done a lot of other things. Spinal Tap is one of his most well-known works. But, uh, oh my gosh. Okay, so I'll break down Waiting for Guffman and then Best in Show. But essentially, uh, like The Office, uh, these are mockumentary style. Meaning, we think it's a documentary. The characters know they're in a documentary, but it's all fake, right? And these movies in particular are heavily, heavily, heavily improvised and stacked with a cast of actors who are skilled, skilled improvisers. I mean, just off the dome, Eugene Levy, Catherine O'Hara, Jane Lynch. There's so many more. Fred Willard, legend, rest in peace. Um, Incredible talents in these films. And Christopher Guest uses a lot of the same actors in his projects over the years because he just wants to keep coming back and working with them because they're so 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 good and he himself will also play characters in his own films and he's a fantastic improviser as well but uh waiting for guffman is essentially a mockumentary about uh community theater actors as they're preparing for a big show and we're seeing the process of that this director uh quirky saint Clair. Uh, played by Christopher Guest, he comes into town, he always talks about, oh, when I was on Broadway, when I was doing this, and he's trying to direct these community theater actors, and it's absolutely hilarious. You see all the characters that pop up in community theater, but this this is the type of film where you you know that it's improvised. You watch it, and you can see through the cracks, and it's a good thing. It's brilliant. It's genius. And this is kind of, Christopher Guest's work is what helped get this mockumentary style started, starting with Steinel Tap. Uh, spinal Tap back in the 1980s. So it's it's incredibly influential on modern American television. Really of the of the 2000s, a lot of the things we saw come out. So Waiting for Guffman, that's a great one. That came out in 96. And uh, the other one that I love is Best in Show because of the setting. The setting of Best in Show is, it's a dog show. So you see this variety of characters preparing for a dog show. They're getting their dog ready because dog shows are already so absurd. I mean, They're crazy if you think about it because we're taking the best, purest bred dog and we're making them compete against each other and then judging them heavily. It's it's kind of sad, but hilarious in this format. Uh, So it's, again, a lot of the same actors. Jane Lynch, Eugene Levy, Catherine O'Hara, so many others. Fred Willard, they come in. 
Oh, and just, you see these interviews sit down with these crazy couples. You're like, these, th- th- these people are insane. And just, you see them talking on camera, just gray spacing, absolutely gray spacing everything. And it's amazing. He has a number of other films, but these two are my particular favorites, Waiting for Government, Best in Show. Again, as I mentioned earlier, I haven't seen Spinal Tap, which is a deep, deep, deep regret of mine, and I'm going to have to change that. So that's my list. Uh, just to read it back quickly, Best in Show, Waiting for Guffman, Curb Your Enthusiasm, Jury Duty, Anchorman, Parks and Rec, The Office, Don't Think Twice, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, and Wet Hot American Summer. All these projects thrive and stand out and are so memorable because of the improv- improvisation, the freedom the actors had on set to be given a character and take that character and run with it and discover the specifics, the humor the why behind those characters, which is really what we want to see in an improv scene too. It's just that all these actors had the luxury of having time off camera to pause and slow down and kind of flesh all these characters out. Now, of course, as I mentioned earlier, there are so many other things I I could have mentioned here. Uh, some honorable mentions just off the top of my head. Well, one in particular for me uh, is the television show Nathan For You as well as the television show The Rehearsal. And these ones I, I, I didn't include in this list because they're unlike any other show on television, but they are unbeatable and some of my favorite TV shows of all time. But essentially the premise for both is that there's this guy named Nathan Fielder, and he pushes real people to the limits in what he asks them to do, whether he's coming up with ideas to improve businesses or he is helping people rehearse difficult conversations that they need to have in real life or rehearse scenarios that they want to practice for to help prepare them. Incredible, incredible shows that involve a heavy amount of improv uh, and ride that fine line between reality TV, scripted, and unscripted comedy. Yeah. So with that said, improv's influence, uh, especially over the last, I'd say, maybe 25 years, 25, 30 years, has shown heavily in a lot of modern media, especially television and film, it, it's been so embraced. Whereas before, movies were often made where actors, directors, editors, right, they would all hang to the script, which is understandable. Writers spend so much time working hard writing on these scripts. But that's changed over the last 25 years or so, right? The room to improvise and add in and adapt and change and find new things within a script, within a character has really opened up and I think led to some incredible creations. Because at the end of the day, improvisation is just writing on your feet. And I think there's so much good and so much incredible work that can come from it. And it's exciting to see different projects where that blossoms. So with that said, uh, thank you for listening to this passion piece about uh, some of my favorite projects that utilized improv on set. Uh, If you have any favorite shows, movies, or TV shows, it's a bit redundant that I missed, uh, feel free to leave them in the YouTube comments or go on our Instagram and leave a comment there. We'd love to hear about it. But as always, uh, thank you for checking out this week's episode of Improv for the Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Lee Evans. You can find this show anywhere where there are podcast streaming. I mean, anywhere. Like, seriously, good luck finding a platform that doesn't have it. And uh, as always, we'll be back next week with another episode. But until then, we'll see you next time. Improv for the podcast was created by Matt Moore and Michael Lee Evans. Edited and produced by Michael Lee Evans. And finally, presented by Improv for the People. 
Interested in more IFTP? You can visit us at improvforthepeople.com or on our socials, such as Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube. Remember, new episodes are released weekly. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.